You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Elahe Izadi, the Washington Post's media reporter. Today, we continue our Race in America series with Grammy winner Aruj Aftab. Thank you, Aruj, for joining us. Hi, Elahe. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, and a reminder to our audience, we do want you to join the conversation. So please tweet your questions and comments to the handle post live. Welcome, Aruj. <laughs> Thanks. How's it going? Good. I see we both have our brick backgrounds here. <laughs> it's like we're it's like we're in the same place. Exactly. We planned this totally. We're in the same <laughs> <Yeah>. room. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'd love to get started with your recent Grammy win, and also you just performed at Coachella. What has it been like to see your music resonate in this way and in these spaces? It's been really, really nice. It's been really emotional uh, to to kind of to to experience that happening, um, especially in Coachella recently. Like, I was performing with you know my collaborators and and I could see past the crowd and just see like the mountains and the sky and just like hear the music just sort of like you know resounding all over the valley or or the desert or whatever they're calling it and I was just like this is epic you know so that that feeling for sure how do you how does one sort of prepare for that those moments for the Grammys for Coachella to you know this unbelievable feeling that you're experiencing I mean I think the Grammys were was really like a trip and I don't think anything can really prepare anyone for that experience uh just the experience in of itself and also then you know having your name said and all that stuff is just like it's really crazy and just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would imagine making art, um, especially your music, it it can be a personal and vulnerable process. Um, and then you put your music out into the world. What is the spirit with which you hope your listeners and fans come to your music? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't really think about it. I let it you know, as as many musicians might do, I think it's really like our goal is to just make a music that makes someone makes the listener feel something, right? Uh, and and that is just whatever whatever they want, you know. But I think it's open like that, and I like that, you know. For me, I'm putting out an energy of like hopeful disdain, you know, but that might not be the case for who's listening. Um, or anywhere, anywhere in that realm, if it's soothing, if it makes you feel like you've bottled up too much sadness and you can let it out, or if it makes you feel like there's light at the end of whatever, you know, all all of those things I think are good are a good place to start when you're listening to the to, to my music. Yeah, have any of the reactions um, been surprising to you? The way in which people do receive your music and made you think about your music maybe in a different way. And not really, you know, people say that they listen to it when they are like pregnant or it puts their children to sleep or they listen to it and it changed their life. It, you know, um, it inspired them to, to make music or to do more. 
it made them like i said express sadness in a in a way that is unapologetic or it made them hopeful you know it made them nostalgic it's like all of those same all of those emotions uh kind of recycling in the ether really yeah it must be amazing to have your music accompany people through such personal and intimate moments it's really a privilege yeah, I'm wondering if we can get a little bit into your personal journey. Um, if you can tell us, how did you discover music? What was your relationship with it growing up? And how did it become a calling for you? Well, so I think music for me has always had a very pivotal and central role in my life, even from an extremely young age. I think I, I, uh, it, it is something that has always been my priority now that I've been asked to think about it so much because you know we don't really think about these things as musicians we're just like oh yeah I just did this thing but um, especially after uh, all of this sort of fanfare and success you know and a lot of press runs people have been asking me about my origin story like to no end <laughs> so I and I just asked you again. <laughs> it's, you know, now I'm press ready. I'm press ready now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, You've but got it's it been ready. cool because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been great because I've had the opportunity to think things through in a, in a more deep way because of this practice of being accosted by the press every day. Um, <laughs> you know, I realized that, yeah, music has always had an extremely pivotal and central role in my life and it has been my guiding force and it's been my priority above so many things like family and love and life and everything. It's like I have always chosen music over everything above and beyond. And that's that's kind of what it is. You know, that's kind of how it's always been. And that's the story there, you know, always exposed to it by my parents and their friends from a very young age always had a had a more inquisitive curious delving deep kind of intuition around it and 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 curiosity for it and like searching for music different types of music deconstructing music you know like enjoying music discourse you know like going beyond like a listener and pop and whatever you know what i mean just like a hunger for music in a in a sense from a very early age from since I was seven and then like as a teenager, just the whole thing, you know. Was it scary for you to turn that deep knowing into, oh, I'm going to pursue this as my life's work, my professional calling? Yeah, the initial feeling was very scary and super impostery, uh, just being like, what does it even mean to study music? What does it even mean to be a musician? You know, there, there are not enough good examples of how it is actually an organized thing, right? You just see Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, and you have no idea what happened in between, you know, um, and how did they get to this? Or Prince, you don't see, like, is it gifted or is it really taught or is it learned? Like, what is, is it a combination? How do you do it? So that definitely, um, trying to wrap my head around that was very scary, for sure. Did you come to a, a conclusion about that dynamic? Is it learned or is it talent uh, for yourself? Uh, well, I guess, you know, like, 
the like st- looking at the the curriculum of the the Berkeley College of Music was helpful. Like it's like okay, the first step is probably to like become music educated, I guess, right? Uh, and so that was that that and then like just go to an institution like that where you know like you're the uh, the weird band you know like guitar player in your high school like all of us from all over the world are like that one person now all in the same place you know <laughs> so the sense of community suddenly from being so alone is like unbelievably overwhelming and beautiful and then they're and then you're studying like you're 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 learning the tools by which you can express yourself musically and then suddenly like the whole thing unlocks you know and you're like oh my god I get it. I can do it. You know, that's really fantastic. And it, and it takes, you know, like I said, it's like I, I left behind where I was from. I left my family behind. I left loved ones, friends. I just chose music. I just didn't care. You know, it was the most important thing to me. And I, and I went for it. Yeah. And your influences, they span the globe from Rumi to Ella Fitzgerald. How have those and, and other artists uh, really shaped your music. I think it, I think you can hear it <laughs> in my music quite a bit. I I have taught myself. I've been very largely self-taught, especially as a vocalist. I haven't really had any training at all. Like yes, I studied jazz theory at Berkeley, and I have the tools. I studied like audio, so I know how to mic things, and I know I know a lot about sound. But as far as vocals are concerned, I never, I've never really had a teacher. And so a lot of my training comes from deep listening, you know. And so I have run those records to the ground, like Abby Lincoln, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Abda Perreen, uh, Bega Makhter. And you can hear that all, Shade, you can hear all of that probably in, in my musical choices as a vocalist. It's just all very ear-based and self-taught and listening-based. Wow, I didn't realize your your vote, you had little to no vocal training. That's incredible. (laughs) Just Um, winging it. (laughs) Winging it well, I will say. (laughs) Grammy award-winning winging. (laughs) Yeah. As we saw in the in the introduction video, you've talked about heritage before and that, you know, it's like you're moving in these different societies and you're inheriting these things that become your heritage and that becomes what your music sounds like. How do you see this notion of heritage and your specific heritage play out in in your work? I think that my work has become like a very personal thing, you know? Uh, It's all of the inherited heritages, right? Uh, It's a way of speaking that I've developed to describe my work that is basically describing a very crossover, uh, very genre, non-conforming type of music, you know? And so it doesn't matter what I am, where I traditionally belong from or what kind of roots I'm supposed to adhere to and all of that. It's really just a very personal music. And that's what I mean when I say like, it's all of the heritages that I've inherited. It's like where I've, I've lived in a bunch of different places and I've had the privilege to be trusted by by many different communities and I've learned from them, you know, and and I've had a lot of collaborators 
I've just had a lot of influences musically that that I that I have respectfully inherited while giving um you know with integrity I think or I try and so then the music becomes less about roots and culture and tradition and where you're geographically from and what you're supposed to represent it really has become in this moment a music that is extremely personal to my uh journey and my experience yeah, I'm glad you brought up this this notion of um, respect and integrity. Um, and, and you've talked about previously the responsibility that you feel um, with your music and it not be taken as, you know, oh, you know, the pan global soundtrack that we might hear in like a yoga studio or something. And that and that right. really like your, your musical heritage being received in that and your music being received in, in a way with respect. Can you talk a little bit how you uh, about how you built on that with with Vulture Prints? I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, bring things that have resounded with me um, <clears throat> in an honest way. Uh, like you said, you know, to say that this is a new music is on the one hand absolutely true. But also to say that anything is new music is super ridiculous because there's no such thing as new music. You know, it's just the it's all of the people who came before us and all of these traditions kind of melding into each other. And it can get really confusing when you're trying to recreate something with the intention of it feeling and sounding new. Right. It's just like an academic's dream <laughs> because it's such a cluster mess, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but as a musician, you're like, oh my God, like what I'm, what am I, what I'm saying is how do I write that music? Like, how do I convey that musically? And so what it, what it told me is that it takes time to internalize a lot of, a lot of this work, you know, so it takes time to, to listen to it and to sit with it. There's a humongous incubator period that has to just be constantly going you know, the pieces of work that you sit with, the poetry from centuries ago or certain melodies or certain types of sounds like, you know, like Celtic harp or whatever, like you have to really internalize the um, the tradition and those who came before you, like the ancestors speaking through you in that way with a lot of respect and constantly doubting yourself and constantly throwing things into the bin and being like, no, it's not, it's not respectful enough no it's like how much more nuance can i put into this like what can i do it's a constant conversation with your musical capabilities and ideas to get to a point where it feels right and i just i don't know how to deconstruct the feeling but then it does eventually come and that's kind of what happened with vulture prince where at some point it felt really right and then I realized, okay, I'm done here. Like the thing that I've been saying that I've wanted to do, I think has happened, you know? I mean, speaking of the time element, maybe people watching don't realize how long that process, which you just explained, can take. How, how long did it take for you? I think Vulture Prince has been in the making for about three or four years, probably more. But yeah. Yeah. And then you came to that sense of completion, like it's ready. It's I've said what I've said, need to say here. Yeah. Definitely not um, sustainable now that I'm signed to a major label, but 
hopefully everything's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will be. <laughs> um, perhaps also people watching don't don't realize a little a bit of the particulars of your biography. You are based in Brooklyn as a musician. You were born in Saudi Arabia. You were raised in Pakistan. Um, how has music shaped your sense of connection and belonging in each of those places or all of the places that you've lived? I'm not sure really, uh, but like I said, I don't know if it's like, did the music shape where I lived or did I live shape the music or was it just the things just happening, right? Um, for someone who has had roots in many, in like at least several places, uh, it's definitely made me feel like and I've been quoting more mother's tweet a lot where, you know, she just tweeted, no roots, no rules. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like if you don't belong from anywhere or you belong from so many places, then you're not really like tied to, you're not really like held accountable to uphold whatever it is that their thing is, you know. So it's kind of I think in that aspect, I have felt very free, right, mm -hmm. musically and otherwise. Yeah, that's so fascinating because I also think of this notion in the United States of like the third culture kid, the the, the person who grew up in an in a community or country different from what their parents grew up in or where they were born, and and then confronting a space where often society makes us choose an identity or or an allegiance. Um, so that that sort of like no roots. <laughs> um, tweet that you mentioned and and your your how you're thinking about it what is that sort of multi-dimensional nature of how our identities brush up against do you feel like you're you have to that society's sort of pushing you to choose one or over the other do, is that freedom easy to come by you know it's something that i have been thinking about a lot and i don't have the answer to yet but i think it'll it'll like reveal itself to me as I continue to have this experience and more people are interested in my story and I'm supposed to like talk about it, you know, but for now it just feels really weird to like people, like a lot of people are asking me to see things through their eyes. Whereas I feel like they haven't really seen me up until now, you know what I mean? Yeah, and are you finding as you're having this experience there are a lot of other people grappling with the same questions as you? Like that's coming that's coming up more and more and that you're not alone in that? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's like a constant thing, right? There's also like I was just on a panel discussion uh with Lido Pimienta um and you know the legendary Senegalese singer Yusu and we were talking about this thing that like, you know, artists of color are the ones who are always asked to explain their heritage inside of their music. Whereas like a regular white person can, you know, have have whole albums about all of their emotions and no one is really asking them to to tie it back to wherever they're from, like Texas or where, you know what I mean? It's like we are always the ones who are being asked to uphold culture and, and have deeper meaning behind it. We can't just say something and it'll be like chill, you know, we have to have all this discourse behind it. Um, and so in a way we are kind of like the, the holders of, it's like, it's like, it's like exotic, it's exotifying in a way, right? 
uh, and that has felt very it's it's kind of like an extra thing that that as an artist you have to do where you have to explain you have to create depth inside of a music inside of your art and explain that depth uh, and so there's always that happening with artists like myself and then there is again and then that is what it feels what it is which is what I'm saying is like people ask me to people expect me to perform um, you know a representation of where I'm from and my culture and for me who like I said earlier has roots in so many different places like I don't necessarily want to do that you know I may not really feel affiliated with anything except my own personal experience um, but because of what it says on my legal documents I'm always expected to you know um, respond to these uh, these titles whether I like it or not yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine part of that, you know, speaking to the, is almost like this pressure put upon artists such as yourself to represent. And then there's this other dynamic or tension between being otherized, even while being celebrated. How do you see that tension? I've, I feel like I've been pushing back long enough uh, that I am like starting to be otherized less you know uh and <laughs> that's really great uh we're, we're you know we're also moving into a, a real space as musicians and as listeners i think both of the people like musicians are creating like the sort of like younger millennials and the uh generation below them are really unapologetically creating a music that is crossover and genreless and really just whatever they want uh and the listeners are really enjoying that and that is setting a tone in a way which is kind of unboxing all of us you know and and that's what we've been wanting to do that's what we've been waiting for that's what all of my music and all of my ethos kind of says you know um and so and and you can see that because they put someone like me in their big four best new artists category. Like they're literally saying, you are one of the best new artists in North America plus the world, right? And like basically just like putting that out there. That's a huge step, I think, that has not really ever happened before. Uh, and so it's a good sign. I don't think it's over by any by any means. The otherization will continue always, but I think we are kind of getting into a space where it's getting a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yes. And congratulations on being nominated in that category. I mean, that's a really big deal. Um, for for those who don't know, it's a very big deal. <laughs> and and you know, in some ways, as you're navigating this space, yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, also making history. I mean, you were the first Pakistani to win a Grammy. Um, what was it like to know that you were on the cusp of or since like making history, even as you're trying to push forward in such a way that that it's not being, you know, you're not being asked to represent an entire group of people? I mean, yeah, again, it's been like really interesting to navigate some of that stuff especially because i like again like like i said like my ethos is very like i'm free and you know i i don't really belong i belong to all of these places and yet not tied i'm not i'm not uh obligated to perform any one 
type of thing, you know, and that can come off as like, uh, oh, you don't, you're rejecting your Pakistani roots or whatever, but I'm not doing that. I'm just talking about a fluidity, you know, by which I've operated for my whole entire life. You know, like if I, I'm, I mean, for me, again, it's like extremely, extremely personal, you know, to be the first person in my family with my Kashmiri mom, you know, and my, my father and all of his family that that is from the from from the inner uh, old city of Lahore, like f- me being from them and going up on that stage and 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 receiving this accolade in music, like such a long lineage of people in in my family who have loved and cherished and celebrated music, that's a big deal for me. That's a huge win for me, and that's where I'm from. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. But to be honest, if I haven't spent the last 20 years in Pakistan, then I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to uh, fill those shoes and be the first Pakistani who has won a Grammy. It is technically correct, but I'm not sure if I fully get it yet, you know? Yeah. Like on a personal level. Yeah, and... and it's beautiful to think about the personal history and familial connection. And that's really like one's heritage in many ways. Um, Part of our goal with this race in America series is to celebrate the joy and accomplishments of pioneers across communities, even as we are reckoning with deep rooted inequalities. Um, How do you see the role of art in that reckoning? I think it's extremely prominent and it's very life-saving. Can you say more about the life-saving element of it? <laughs> yeah, I think that there's that music is has like undeniably undeniable spiritual and healing qualities and has had its root in a lot of um old religions and mysticism and 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 is extremely therapeutic and we are a community as a whole uh, and even even in our divisions, we are a very broken and very upset and very uh, unhealed people, you know. And I think that music plays a really important role in trying to kind of put the pieces back together a little bit uh, and brings people together and tries to make communities understand what happened by storytelling and, and just the vibration in of itself. And, and people who make music are really special and really important because we are in an extremely fractured um, and traumatized state of mind as a people. Yeah. Ruj, I'm wondering, do you have any advice for today's generation of young musicians about having their voices heard? I think that they are doing a really good job at having their voices heard way more than like, my generation or generations before me may have uh so it's almost like a like a history repeating itself where we had like the ancestral generations who were going in really hard and then now i feel like the younger generations are definitely doing the same thing they're just unapologetic they're really bold they're really fierce and they're making the things that they want to make you know uh, and they don't care about money or stability, like all this stuff that was ingrained into our brains from all the recessions that we went through and whatnot. Like, I feel like the youth is already just like not giving um, any mind to to whatever. And they're just going for it, which is like really inspiring to see. So I don't have really a lot of advice. They're already doing it. In fact, it's inspiring me to keep doing. So that's great. Good job, guys. 
<laughs> no advice. Instead, they have advice for us, right? <laughs> keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing, guys. Keep the movement going. <laughs> Encouraging words, indeed. Aruj, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much Fantastic. for joining. Absolutely, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.